Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Hello, and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Episode 33. Good evening, and welcome to my mind mare. This week, I'm not sure what to talk about. I mean... I thought this would be a part of the show where I could talk about, you know, what's on my mind. The problem is that I think when my wife asked me, hey, what's on your mind, and I answer nothing, I'm starting to believe myself. I mean, I could talk about politics, but honestly, I'm kind of done with the president and his way of governing. I find talking politics can ruin friendships and lives. Therefore, we will not be talking politics in this segment. Well, I could talk religion, but... I find that religion is one of those things that is intensely personal and intensely controversial. If I talk religion and you don't agree with me, you stop listening, or worse, you hate me for something neither of us have any real control over. So not talking religion in this section of the show either. I could talk about the podcast that I have a hand in besides this one. You know, my podcast, Musically Challenged, which I co-host with today's guest, Lou Schwalbach, where we discuss music and personal feelings about music. Or I could talk about my third podcast, Want to Hear Something Interesting, where I discuss things in a more scientific way. And by scientific, I mean we do our research and we talk about things we have backing proof for. Finally, I could talk about my reoccurring guest role on Al Seeger's podcast, Geekery in General, where we talk geeky and nerd-related topics. However, I would say doing a shameful plug for these things I'm doing seems, well, self-serving, and I try not to do that too much. So I guess I'll end my segment saying, I apologize that I don't have much to talk about this week and hope I have something of more importance to talk about next week. On to our guest tonight, Lou Schwalbach. Lou is my co-host on the podcast Musically Challenged. We also game together and we work out together. I fear I might be married to my next guest. Lou, this is your time to talk about you. Take it away. Well, I... uh I get kind of the same response from my wife as well, that I have a I have a husband as well as having a wife. And you know what? There are worse things. I, I agree with that. There could be worse things. Anyway, let's move into today in history, and we'll get back to you. Let's start this segment off by saying, Happy St. Patrick's Day, Lou. Well, to you as well. Did you have some corned beef and cabbage before you came over tonight? I didn't. We did Rubens, though. Well, that's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, just on a sandwich form, I guess. Yeah, just kind of put it in a sandwich and... Well, anyway, today's uh, topic in history, uh, all these stories come from History.com, this day in history. Uh, so here we go. March 17th, 461, St. Patrick dies. On this day in 461 A.D., St. Patrick, Christian missionary, bishop and apostle of Ireland, dies at Saul Don Patrick, Ireland. Much of what is known about Patrick's legendary life comes from the Confessio, a book he wrote during his last years. Born in Great Britain, probably in Scotland, to a well-to-do Christian family of Roman citizenship, Patrick was captured and enslaved at age 16 by Irish marauders. For the next six years, he worked as a herder in Ireland, turning to a deepening religious faith for comfort. 
Following the course counsel of a voice he heard in a dream one night, he escaped and found passage on a ship to Britain, where he was eventually reunited with his family. According to the Confessio, in Britain, Patrick had another dream, in which an individual named Victoricus gave him a letter entitled, The Voice of the Irish. As he read it, Patrick seemed to hear voices of Irishmen pleading him to return to their country and walk among them once more. After studying for the priesthood, Patrick was ordained a bishop. He arrived in Ireland in 433 and began preaching the gospel, converting many thousands of Irish and building churches around the country. After 40 years of living in poverty, teaching, traveling, and working tirelessly, Patrick died on March 17, 461 in Saul, where he had built his first church. Since that time, countless legends have grown up around Patrick. Made the patron saint of Ireland, he is said to have baptized hundreds of people on a single day and who have used a three-leaf clover, the famous shamrock, to describe the Holy Trinity. In art, he is often portrayed trampling on snakes in accordance with the belief that he drove the reptiles out of Ireland. For thousands of years, the Irish have observed the day of St. Patrick's death as a religious holiday, attending church in the morning and celebrating with food and drink in the afternoon. The first St. Patrick's Day parade, though, took place not in Ireland, but in the United States when Irish soldiers serving in the English military marched through New York City in 1762. As the years went on, the parades became a show of unity and strength for persecuted Irish-American immigrants, and then a popular celebration of Irish-American heritage. The party went global in 1995, when the Irish government began a large-scale campaign to market St. Patrick's Day as a way of driving tourism and showcasing Ireland's many charms to the rest of the world. Today, March 17th, is a day of international celebration, as millions of people around the globe put on their best green clothing to drink beer, watch parades, and toast the luck of the Irish. So there we go. Pretty straightforward this week. Not a whole lot to talk about. St. Patrick's died, uh, and we've turned it into some kind of a pagan green beer swilling uh, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and that's all the kiss me, I'm Irish, and all this other stuff, you know, that is definitely out there. Yeah, absolutely. So... Lou, this is where we find out what you want to talk about tonight. Please, all I ask is that you don't make po- make it politics, religion, or shameless plugs for my other podcasts. You know, musically challenged, want to hear something interesting, or geekery in general. So, Lou, what are we talking about? You know what? You actually mentioned this either the first or second time that I came on, and I proved you wrong by saying I wasn't going to. But this time I figured, you know what, I'll just give in for that one. Um, we're going to talk about classic video games. Classic video games. Okay. Now, I know that you're not a huge gamer. I I am not. Well, not video gaming. Well, right. Video gaming, you've been kind of out of the game since they started making you sick, I guess. Yeah, more or less. Motion sickness. and And I guess I'm not the only one. I guess there's a lot of people out there. Some people work through it or they'll take Dramamine or some, you know, something like that to deal with it. And I just, I've never gone that route and it's not something that, that I'm really looking for. I, I have so much stuff that I do now that video games really don't do it for me. No, I can understand that. Um, but I guess what I was more thinking about is back when you were into that kind of thing. So back in like the old Atari days, the Pong days, um, I think you said you went as far as Sega Genesis. Yeah, just about. Sega Genesis, uh, the last game I really remember playing, and I played the shit out of it, was Sonic the Hedgehog. Which one? 
I don't know. Uh, he was a little blue dude. You ran him around <laughs> mazes and <laughs> picked up have, coins. Did he have a sidekick? No. Okay, so it wasn't number three. I think it was just the original Sonic. Okay, the one that came with it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, and that's... I don't know. I've See, I didn't have the same group of people to, to do board games with, so playing video games was a little bit more of my way of, I guess, exercising my intellect and things like to that effect. Okay. I can see that. You know, I... I always thought video games are cool, and I, and I still do. I mean, a lot of them, especially now today, the graphics and the, you know, the music and the storylines and everything that go with them, that's all really cool and everything. But I can do the same thing on a tabletop with some books. I'm not as shoehorned into how I'm going to level up or how I'm going to build my character based on the parameters of a computer program. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. You know, and the thing with that, too, is you're also talking about the more recent of the type of games, where they're right. pretty, pretty set forward. And where I wanted to hear about, I guess I was just interested to hear about your, I guess, memories or history of, like, old games, like back in the day. Okay. Well, the first game I remember having is, and, and I don't know why it even happened, but my parents bought the Pong game when it was just the Pong game. It was before Atari even really came out. You had... um Two controllers, two, uh, they called them a paddle controller. Sure. Okay, yeah. And you plugged it into your TV, and Pong showed up on your, on your screen. In your channel three. Yeah, it was, it was black and white, and the only thing that really happened is it was the same game all the time, it just got faster. And when it got to a certain speed, you know, somebody missed, and it was table tennis. Oh, yeah, yeah, or ping pong. Or ping pong, yeah. Um, and we loved it. We did. It was, because it was something like something we had never seen before. You know, um, by that time in my life, anyway, I didn't see computers. I mean, I really didn't see computers even in school till like, middle school. Okay. You know, so, like, the late 80s. I remember the first – and actually, here's a funny story. I'll tell you a funny uh, story. So, I went to John Muir Middle School. Okay. Which is uh, here in town. And uh, we had just gotten the computer lab set up between my 7th and 8th grade year. So, they had this whole lab with, like – 20 computers in it, right? <laughs> okay. And they took us in there for a computer class, which back then was, it was this little turtle. You gave it commands and it would walk around the around the screen kind of thing. Okay. And uh, you could draw pictures with it, basically. It was, okay. a, it was a big Etch-A-Sketch, but you logo, couldn't pick up the monitor. Yeah, logo. And you couldn't pick up the monitor and shake it. That was the only difference. Um, but uh, I remember sitting there and... Uh, I didn't know I was sick or anything like that, but I threw up all over one of these computers. Oh, no. It was the funniest thing. The the teacher grabs me and picks me up out of my chair and away from the computer. Because, <laughs> you know, at that point, computers were damned expensive. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, all I did was actually ended up puking on the keyboard. Okay. You know, which they just... Cleaned up, I guess. Well, they just hosed out and called it a day. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they weren't as sensitive as they are today. I mean, you could literally beat on a keyboard back then and it was fine. Yeah. You know, in fact, you had to pull them apart to clean the hair and crap out of them. Yeah, because everything would get in there. But anyway, back to uh, video games. So we, we had Pong. Then we uh, had an Atari uh, 2600. Did you get the wood grain thing and all that? Yeah, yeah, we had the wood grain and the <laughs> Went whole... along with everything back in that time Yeah, period. yeah, they just threw wood grain on everything. It was your basement, your, you know, everything, the, the side, side of your of car. Your, I was going to say, <laughs> the, the side of the station wagon and... Yeah, exactly, but um, we had the Atari 2600, and we never had a lot of games, but 
I had Pitfall. Loved oh, Pitfall. Yes. And actually, I got pretty good at Pitfall. And for those of you that play video games now, compared to back then, you only had, what, third? I think it was 13 levels in most games. At the most, yeah. Yeah, and then when you got to that 13th level, you just started over at level one. It just went faster. You know, that was the Atari thing. You could have odd number, unlimited number of levels, really, but all it was is you looked at the same 8, 10, 13 levels, whatever it was, and they just went faster. And Pitfall was no different. I, I used to be able to get, I don't know, somewhere around 15th, 16th level. So I was on the second loop through. And I was, sure. you know, that was always kind of cool, I thought. Um, it was three lives and you get 20 minutes, whichever goes quicker. Right. And then there was um, there was a game I played. It was a baseball game. And I can't remember what it was called. But because of the pixelation of the games at that time, the ball was square. Oh, yeah. Just like the bowling one was just like that, too. And yeah. The pins were big squares, too. Yeah, because it was all, I mean, it was all relative. But at the time, we thought those graphics were amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, you could get up and you could play baseball. And it was like, I could hit a home run. And I could, you know, I could pitch, which is something I could never do when I played baseball. It was just like that. I mean, we had Donkey Kong. We had, I can't remember all the games we had, but there was one. Asteroids we had, I think. And then there was another space one, and I can't remember. Space Invaders. That's okay, what it was. Yeah. Um, but I think that was about all the games we had, you know. But it was fun because you could sit down and unlike you know, even today where you sit on your phone and you play games for hours on end, you would sit down and play for an hour or two, and then we would go outside and play. You know, it was kind of a, it was something extra. It wasn't everything we did. Sure. And what's nice about when the Atari came along, too, is that unlike Pong, where it was one game kind of over and over and over again, you could put the different cartridges in, and especially if your neighbor friends or whatever had one that you wanted to play instead of having your parents spend 30 bucks on a new game, be like, hey, I'll trade you for a little hour. Can I borrow it for a while? Right, yeah. And that was kind of the advent to maybe renting, per se? Yeah, I suppose it could have been. Um, I don't even remember when rentals really popped up, but my guess would never be... Never for with, Atari. Well, never for Atari, but I mean, in general, I would guess probably something like Blockbuster would have started something like that. Um, I think Blockbuster and then every grocery store with with any spare room would have a rental area. In fact, remember 29 Super? Yeah. That was the place to be. Hal's, Hal's where Family Video is now on the east side, but Super 29 was the place to go for movies and games. Yeah, I remember renting movies and games at, like, the IGA in Rebountain. Okay, yeah. You yeah. know, and uh, I remember when they went out of that line of doing things because I bought a ton of VHS movies. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, whoever thought VHS was going to go away? <laughs> yeah. You know, but then we said the same thing about, well, we have to replace our VHS tapes with these uh, DVDs. And whoever thought, I mean, why would you ever need something better? And now it's Blu-ray. Now I'm slowly replacing all my DVDs with Blu-rays. You know, but I mean, there's, there's, a diff, there's a step up, though. I mean, VHS to DVD. I mean, there is, even if you, on the shittiest quality, there is an absolute difference in your visual. Oh, absolutely. Um, DVD to Blu-ray, if you've got a decent setup, like a great setup, you can definitely notice the difference. But really, that's kind of more of a lateral step to a degree. So, I mean, the next step, I don't know what it would be. I think they tried to do Laserdisc, and that was... Well, Laserdisc was, was was kind of a step between VHS and DVD, really. Yeah, it was really. just big-ass DVDs. Yeah, real big-ass. I mean, you thought they looked like, for those of you that don't know, they looked like gigantic, shiny records. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, shit. Records. <laughs> they looked like very big CD-ROMs. Yeah, yeah. They were the size of uh, vinyl albums. Yeah. And they were dual-sided CDs. And I remember the only place I ever really saw those was in school. Because the schools bought into them. Oh, yeah, they did. And when I graduated from North Central Technical College, now I graduated in 2003. When I was going to school there, I had to take a basic electronics class to go with my degree. Right. And all of the videos that they showed us were still on Laserdisc. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he would roll out this big-ass TV, and he'd pick up this big-ass disc and stick it in there. And I was just like, really, man? You know, and I just remember, and we talked about this earlier, Camelot Music and that was in the mall. They had a huge selection. I mean, you go in there, and it's like, oh, look, look at all the vinyl that they have. It's like, nope, those are later discs. Yeah. And they were expensive. Oh, everything, yeah. I mean, it was it was a cutting-edge technology at the time. And if you look at it and you compare it to, like, a VHS, it's not as good as a DVD, but it's a hell of a lot better than a VHS tape. Oh, yeah, the look and the, the audio for it and the video were just amazing. Yeah. If you had the money to put up to get it all set up and if you had the space for it. Right. You know, it's just like some people, we had a neighbor that bought into the beta thing. Oh, okay. You know, that three weeks or whatever it lasted. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> But, you know, Beta was actually a better system than VHS. Now, I'm going to see if you understand how this all works. Do you know how medium is decided in most cases? Like, why did VHS went out over Beta? It sounds familiar, but I'm not quite sure. It's the porn industry. You know, that's what I was thinking, because that's why actually Betamax is still popular for porn. Is it really? Yes. You can unfortunately still find it there, but I mean, why pay for it? It's free online. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's the whole thing. That's why DVDs are going away in Blu-ray, because the porn industry decided to go to Blu-rays. I don't know why we need to see in higher definition the the zit on some chick's ass, but that's what we're seeing. <laughs> With any kind of luck, they would have Photoshopped that out. <laughs> they never do. Unless it's amateur. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, Getting back to the original topic here, yeah, I mean, Atari was it. I remember I got one of those for Christmas one year, and I think I got it from my aunt. We got it. We went down to Milwaukee because all my family lived um, not too far from County Stadium. Okay. And I remember I got this Atari. It wasn't like in the Atari box. I think it was something that they got like from those mail order companies. Okay. So it was just in a cardboard plain box, but it was the Atari, the joysticks, everything except for a game. No game? No game. I thought Atari came with a game. No, not this one. Okay. And then it didn't come with the little RF switch thing. You know, the thing you had to switch from right. game to whatever. Right. So, of course, we, and this was over the weekend, so we had to wait till Monday or Tuesday when mom or dad had time off of work, run down to our local radio shack or whatever it is, and picked up the RF thing. And then we went to Prangyway. Okay. Prangyway, yeah. Prangyway, yep. And then I picked up a game called Crackpots. was my first one that I ever got. Crackpots? Yep. Okay. It's You're a dude on top of a building. And there was six windows, I think, and a sewer, and these spiders would come up from the sewer, and you had to drop plants down each, so the, the spiders didn't get in the windows. And, like, each different stage had them going, like, one was all diagonal, one was zigzag, one was, um, like, straight at an angle, and then, just like you would mention how they would repeat the stages, after you go through, I think, six, they would just go a lot faster. And it was my first game. It wasn't a great game by any means, but it's still the first one I ever got, so I played the hell out of it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a nostalgia with it. Even if it wasn't the greatest game, you didn't know at the time that it wasn't a great game. Oh my god, and then when we went to KB Toys in the mall, and you see the huge back rack that it had of all these different Atari games, and they're like 30 40 bucks. Oh yeah. For an Atari cartridge. 
And I'm just like, oh, God, I want that. Wait till your birthday or wait till Christmas. It's like, son of a bitch, I don't want to wait that long. I want that now. Yeah. And that's why you made friends with people who, like, the rich kid in the neighborhood who's like, I've got all these. Can I borrow it? Okay. Yeah. Just don't yeah. break it. The rich kid that even had a copy of the E.T. game. I Okay, funny story about that. Oh, really? Are you seriously? I'm dead serious. All right, I go ahead. I do have a copy of this. I went to school at St. Mike's over on 6th Street. And one of the guys I was in Scouts with, we exchanged birthday presents. Okay. And he gave me a copy. It was an open copy, so I think it was basically his that he wanted to get rid of. Because from what I understand, the game absolutely blows. It's pretty awful. Um, but I got a copy of E.T. Okay. And I've played it. I've beaten it. And it's it's a, such a waste of time. It really is. Do you still have it? I still have it. You know those things are worth, like, mega money. Um, well, I'm not sure how much it really is, being as how I think it might, I might have scraped my initial in the, in the, um, in the, uh, not the plastic, the paper, like, label of it. Oh, really? But at the same time, I mean, it's, they were black cartridges. You couldn't write on it with magic marker because you'd never see it. Right. When they dug up that, what was it, New Mexico, when they found all those copies, I'm sure the price went down just a little bit, especially not in box. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, you're probably right. but. But at the same time, too, yeah, I still have my Atari. It still works. Maybe five or no probably longer than that about seven eight years ago i remember setting it up on a crt because it would never work um and i sat legs crossed indian style in front of the tv i played asteroids until i rolled the score <laughs> going from the 9999 to right. all zeros again and i'm just like ah that's nice now i'm gonna go have a bowl of cereal and take my footy pajamas off <laughs> there there's a site if anybody anybody out there that knows lou now picture him in footy pajamas I would still wear those, actually, if I had a pair that would fit. <laughs> Mainly because of the static electricity factor. Okay, I get that. And the, the warm toe factor. I See, I never have a problem with that. I know I know you've got the circulation issues, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's the no. whole part of the being the diabetic. Not, but, not A. Just not, he's not a diabetic. He is the diabetic. Yes, I am the diabetic. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? You said it, not me. <laughs> so, okay, so... You start. You had the Atari, and yep. then the next step up, and what was it, 85 or something, was the 8-bit Nintendo, the Nintendo Entertainment System that came with Rob the Robot and Duck never, Hunt. Never had that one. I didn't have Rob, but I did have the Super Mario Duck Hunt. Two games on one cartridge, it blew everybody's minds. Yeah, yeah, because you could put it in there and then decide what you wanted to play. And what a lot of people don't know is Duck Hunt, you could actually play two players. you got to have a second gun, though, don't you? Nope. No? Player one shoots the gun. Player two moves the duck. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I screwed with my dad so bad with that. Because <laughs> my dad was not a video game person. Fact, okay. He is technology anti sometimes. All right. He got into texting a little bit later than most people. Um, but now he's just fine with it. He's good on Facebook and everything else. But back in the Nintendo area era, wasn't his thing. So when Duck Hunt came along, because he legitimately hunted ducks as a younger guy. Okay. Okay. So he's like... This is cool. So he'd be one of the few video games who would actually play with me until I fucked with him too much and moved the duck around and he kind of gave up. Just like, um, no, I'm done. Kind of, right. And then everybody remembers playing Super Mario. Yep. The neighbors, the neighbors had a Nintendo system, so we would play there. Mm-hmm. But I never, we never actually had a Nintendo system. We went, I went directly from Atari to Sega Genesis. Okay. So... See, we didn't get one right away. Um, cousins had it, so, of course, we love staying over. In fact, when we talked about the wrestling episode before, right. it was the same cousins. 
And I used to not be able to hold the controller. I would have to put it on the floor and actually play it on the floor instead of actually physically holding it. Was there a reason behind that? I don't know. I don't know if it's just it felt weird or whatever, but I could not hold the controller and play with it. I had to play it on the floor. And, I mean, Super Mario, Pro Wrestling, Kid Icarus, I mean, all the classic titles. Never really got into Zelda, though. I never have played a Zelda game in my life. I think it was one of those where you have to put too much time in, into it, unlike your Castlevania games where you could just play for a while and be done with it instead of trying to play for, like, ten hours and save the game and keep going back to it. Well, now, Castlevania is one of those titles I love, but not from the home games, from the big stand-up arcade, arcade game. Okay. Yeah. Love Castlevania. Really? Yeah. Which stand-up one did you, I mean... Castlevania. Like the play choice one where you put like you get like X amount of time to play the game? Or? No, no. This was there was actually a stand up at the uh, local bowling alley that was Castlevania. Huh. Oh, Mountain, wasn't it? No, uh, Tanglewood. Okay. Now, okay, I remember what one you're talking about. And I just remember going through that and and beating up the you know the the bats and the what were they? Were they rats? Um. Well, let's see. Bats, zombies. Yeah. Uh, they were like. Cats that came after you. Oh, they were cats, not rats. You're right. Yeah, and it's one of those... It's a hard game. Yeah. It's uh, I spent a lot of quarters. <laughs> I'm sure. Not as many as I plucked into... Um, oh, God, now I'm going to forget the name of it. Uh, it was a stand-up. It had uh, four players. Gauntlet? Gauntlet. Oh, I spent so much money. Who did you play? I usually played the uh, the... the what was the girl? She was like the Valkyrie. A, the Valkyrie, yeah. Because you had the Red Warrior, the Blue Valkyrie, the Yellow Wizard, and then the Green Elf. Yeah. Nobody liked being the Elf because <laughs> he was fast as hell, but he was a weak as hell too. Yeah, he was fast, but it it took you just as many extra attacks as you got. It took you that long to do as much damage as everybody else. And she was the most well-rounded. And I just remember everybody who's ever played that game, <laughs> Red Warrior needs food badly. Yeah, it was either it was either the Blue Valkyrie or the Red uh, Warrior were the two I played. And so, it, it kind of depends on if you're playing with other people, too. Right, yeah, absolutely. If I played by myself, I was always the Valkyrie, because like you said, she was the she was the most rounded of the characters. She was the most able to do a little bit of everything. Sure. And do it with at least some ability versus, you know, the, the wizard was great if you had, like, two or three people playing. Okay. It was nice to have the wizard there. Meat shields? Yeah. But the wizard was nice then as a character to have him in there slinging spells. Sure. And like you said, the the elf or whatever it was, the green archer was horrible. <laughs> and they gave them all names, too. The elf was named Questor. Was it? Yeah. And it was like Thyra. Uh, there was Thor and Thyra. And, of course, guess what the wizard's name is? Merlin? <laughs> yeah. Woo! Got one right! <laughs> no. Time to retire. Did you play the home version? No, I never did. Because that's actually what I think kind of brought Nintendo to the forefront, not only the original games... But they brought a lot of arcade games home. Yeah. Like Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, um, Pac-Man, um, Gauntlet, as you know, we mentioned just for a few. And that was another thing that, and I, I talked with Al about this one too, that was, I think, what helped bring people from the arcade to home is because you're not going to have the camaraderie of the arcade. You're not going to have the ambience of the arcade, but you're going to spend a shitload less money. Oh, yeah. And you can play it as much as you want. You know, we used to – my biggest time of video game playing was my dad used to be a bowler, and he would take us with him to the bowling alley, and then everybody got five bucks. Okay. So you got 20 quarters. Oh, hells yeah. 
I mean, we spent our time in the arcade. Dad's bowling. Pfft, you know, who yeah. cares? We're in there playing video games, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, I've always been a fan of pinball. Me too. And then I spent a lot of money on Gauntlet. To the point that I have recently started looking for a working, operating Gauntlet machine online. Really? Yes, but I am not paying four grand for one. That's on the low end, too. I am, yeah, not in my bank account, it's not. <laughs> you know, and it's funny you should mention the bowling alleys, because that's, the bowling alley and the arcade is, I mean, they go hand in hand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I bowl league at Mountain Lanes. Okay. And if you remember the Laidlaw Mountain before they changed it nowadays, it used to be the lanes on the one side, and if you look the exact opposite side, there was the arcade room. Yep. Had a couple pool tables, a couple pinball machines. And then they had your standard, maybe five or six stand-up arcade machines. We'd bowl leagues Saturday mornings. I'd wait for my ride. I'd always try to make sure I had money left over so I could play video games while I was waiting for I, my ride. I don't blame you there at all. You remember, um, what was the place called? High Roller. High Roller, yes. High Roller had a huge arcade. They did. You could spend more time playing video games than roller skating. Which I've done before. Partially, <laughs> especially if you get there and you fall right away and it hurts. Like if you fall on a skate... Yeah. You catch a skate wheel on the wrong side of your butt, and you're going to bruise. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, you know what? Screw this skating crap. I'm just going to play video games for a while. I used to play video games in my roller skates. Well, yeah, you always did. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that was the smartest thing when you come right down to it, because I remember catching myself. You'd be, like, pushing yourself away from the game because you're, <laughs> you're into it, and you're trying to do whatever you're trying to do, and all of a sudden your feet are going behind you, and you're like, what the? <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what. With roller skates, driving games don't work. I can believe that. You know, there was, now that we're talking about stand-up video games, I don't remember what the name of it was because I'm horrible with names, but you were on a motorcycle. It was a motorcycle race, and you could pop wheelies. Okay. And and it was amazing. I love that game. I don't remember that one. I remember the, the one they used to have in the mall. It was called Suzuka 8 Hours, and it was they had four players, and it was one that you sat down, and you actually had to lean left and right. Okay. And it was hard on your knees. Oh, see, yeah, this was not, this was not, you didn't sit on it, it was just a handlebar. It was, it had basically kind of the same setup as the Paperboy. Do you remember okay, Paperboy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. As far as how the machine looked like, but you were actually racing a motorcycle and not, you know, driving around delivering paper. Which, and let's be honest, when you're playing that game, you're not really delivering papers as much as you are wrecking shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, because if you put the paper through the window, that was like 200 points. <laughs> and if you just delivered the paper, it was like 40. Yeah. What do you do? It's like, great, so I got all my papers delivered, but I don't have any points. If I wanted to do something realistic, I'd actually get a paper out. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? There's some truth there. So, but yeah, that was nice about the home system. In fact, renting the games. 29, actually, in fact, a lot of the places actually rented the systems, too. Uh, before we got ours, I remember renting the Nintendo quite a few times to play Contra, to play Dr. Mario, Super Mario 3, and... It was, that was the best weekend ever. Oh, I can believe it. I mean, uh, did you, did you ever rent something so much that you should have just fucking bought it and been done with it? Let me count the times. Um, <laughs> actually, the one that comes to mind was on Super Nintendo and that was F-Zero. Okay. That was one of those where it was, Super Nintendo games were five bucks a rental. I mean, they weren't cheap. No, that, and that, what, how long was a rental? Oh God. Um, it wasn't like a buck a day. I think it was $5 for like two days. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they, they got you by the short hairs when you were renting the games. and But, of course, I was at the age. I didn't pay for them. Right. The family did. They got a couple movies. I got a game, and that was, you know. Here's Just the way it was. Right. 
And finally, it turned into be one of those things where it's like, you know what? I was walking around at, I, don't know, I think it was, it wasn't Camelot. It was the other one that was in that far corner right across from Walgreens. Oh. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I saw it there for 30 bucks. I'm like, I've rented this more than six times. I might as well just buy the damn thing. So yeah. I have done that before, yes. And in fact, it's the same thing with movies too, though. There's been a few like VHS tapes back in the day where it's like, I've seen this movie so many times. Screw it. I'm just going to buy it. PCU. I used to rent that movie probably four times a year. That is one I don't own that I want. Really? Yeah. But I, I must have rented this thing like four times a year. And finally, Nikki just said to me, she said, why don't you just buy it? I'm like, why would I buy it? And she's like, uh, you rent it constantly. And I'm like, I kind of thought about it. I'm like, oh. And so I bought it for like 10 bucks. It's like, oh, my God. You know, it's, it's to the point where they recognize like, oh, this is what you're getting, huh? I already got it marked up. I know what you're going to get. <laughs> I don't think it was ever quite that bad, but it was that one. And then Labyrinth was another one I did that with Okay, all for right. a long time. And it's just like, why don't you just buy it? And I'm like, all right. For me, um, that was Tron, the original 1982 one. Okay. And we rented it from Hell's. And every time that I was given the card and the money to go pick out a movie, that was what I would always get for myself. <laughs> And it got to the point where mom worked for Quality Foods over by, used to be the Buddy's Hamburger Place over on the east side. Okay, so Wassa. Uh, it's Lambs, I think now. Yeah, yeah. And she worked in the video department and actually got me a rental quality copy, one that's like known for being able to use the Rewall like a million times or whatever, of Tron. Okay. And it's like some people had teddy bears, I had my Tron movie. <laughs> I was so happy when I got that. I'm like, yay. I just love the Tron so much. I don't know why you sounded like that as a 12-year-old or whatever, but... <laughs> 12. Okay. <laughs> no, moving forward. No, you said you were the Sega Genesis guy. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to play on Super Nintendo at all? I may have at some point, but I don't remember really playing on Super Nintendo. What did you do with Genesis? Uh, pretty much... Sonic? <laughs> it's pretty much Sonic. Um, I think there was a there was a few other games that I liked to play. There was, I've always been into sports games. Okay, so Which, I played what the Genesis was pretty much key for. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of baseball games. There was a lot of um, uh, football games. Um, I think I had a uh, soccer game, which is really funny considering to this day I don't know how to play soccer. <laughs> and then there was a basketball game, and I love the basketball game. Basketball is one of those sports though that I enjoy the hell out of playing, but I don't want to watch it. I don't mind playing like horse or just shooting hoops or things like this. Just actually playing straight up basketball, though, not my thing. Watching basketball, I'm we're in the worst season of the year right now. March Madness is like the bane of my existence. I couldn't give two shits about college basketball. I don't. I like I said, I don't watch basketball. I'm in this tournament every year in our office. We do a. Oh, the brackets. Uh, yeah, the brackets, and I never win, and I'm always near the top because I'm like. You just, you just guess well. No, actually, I usually go out to a different, uh, few different websites, and I look at their brackets, and I just copy them. Okay. So I'm always up there, but I'm never like, I never win. Sure. So I spend $5 a year and never win. See, and you know, with basketball for me, again, I just, I'm not a big fan, but seeing it live is totally different. Um, I've been to Bucks games. I've been to uh, what Iowa. I think it's Energy is like the semi-pro or whatever. Those are fun to go to. Just like pro baseball, I can't really watch baseball on TV. 
Oh, I love baseball. Seeing it, listening, listening on the radio is even worse. But being in person and go to the game, it's actually fun. Oh, I love going to live games. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, back to to um, the video games. You know, uh, Sega Genesis. I I loved it. I spent a lot of time on it. And then it just got to the point where it got to be so much of what I did that my mom kind of put a kibosh on it. Oh, sure. Okay. You know, and I just never went back to it after that. And then when I tried, once I was an adult, I bought a uh, I bought a Wii. Okay. I've bought a uh, 360, and I play them, but I never get into them, you know? So I ended up selling both of those and, you know, making just a fraction of my money back. But Of course. I just It's just not something that I spend a lot of time doing. Now, I mean, the existence of my game time now is once in a while when I come over by you, we play wrestling. Sure, okay. <laughs> you know, that's about it. Well, and it's, I think part of it is, too, is your the emotion thing, too, where if you really think about it, too, the games have gotten so realistic and so much into it. If you play a driving game, it's like you're there. You're actually doing it. Right. So, first of all, I mean, the only draw for that would be, hey, I get to drive faster. Or if I wreck a car, it's not my own car. Right. And I'm not going to get hurt. Depending on if you throw the controller or not, I suppose. <laughs> you know, that's actually kind of funny. I remember when the Wii first came out and you had to strap it to yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, we were playing it and I didn't strap it on because I'm like, that's just freaking retarded. Until my, you throw it. Then my hand got started getting sweaty, you know, and I flipped that thing across the and it hit the wall and it broke apart and the batteries went one way and the, you know... I didn't break it, but it's scary for a second there. I'm like, ah! Oh, yeah, I suppose. You know, and that's, you know, that's the thing, too. But, I mean, as kids, because we're about the same age, yep. give or take a year, I think it is. Yeah, something like that. And when we were kids, especially playing, like, Nintendo, Atari, whatever, we'd get into these games. I mean, we'd oh, yeah. yell at the TV. We'd throw controllers. I seem to recall um, nearly breaking a finger getting so mad at a game once. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was I was playing Mega you Man. You just flip somebody off that quick? You just like... Ex- no, no, actually, it's funny. I was playing Mega Man, and I think I, it was like I was real high, almost at like the final boss, and I died, and that was the last life and everything else. I got so pissed that instead of throwing the controller because I couldn't afford to replace it, I basically slammed my hand against the first thing I found to my right, which was a high-to-bed couch. Ooh. Which... It was one of those old hide-a-beds that were made pretty much of solid wood. Yep. And from my pinky finger and my ring finger on my right hand were, like, twitchy and numb for a while. Like, yeah, I need to take a break. (laughs) And now you you don't break controllers because it's 50 bucks to replace a damn controller. Yeah, I mean... And that's the other that's the other drawback to video games now is they're so damned expensive. It I mean you can be. you look at you look at the base model of any of the systems out there right now, you're dropping two, three hundred bucks for you know, for I don't even know what is the current Xbox. The Xbox One, one right? You know, that's what, three hundred and ninety nine bucks, two hundred and ninety nine bucks. Two fifty. Two fifty, okay. You know, and then you're spending anywhere from thirty to sixty dollars per game. To me, that's just money that I can use better somewhere else. You know, and and people talk about the cost of the games, which, yes, it can get a little excessive. I mean, if you get a brand-new first-run game, it's not uncommon to pay 60 to 70 bucks for it. Special editions, $100. Um, I've never done that much of a special edition. I think the most I ever did was a $60 special, and that was because it came with, like, a metal clamshell case. 
but you know, but does the, does the metal clamshell case do well, anything it came for with, you? It came with other extras too. Okay, but that I'm, was just one of the bonuses. Because it's like you know, I see that even in movies, some people go for the the metal covers, the clamshells or whatever. Yeah, I've got a couple like that. I just I don't see the point of the money because it's like if it's the same price as the regular, I'll get the metal one. Well, yeah, in that case, that's fine. Well, I got both of the Avengers movies like that. They were okay. Both, they're both the clamshell ones that were in the metal, and it was like either the same price or like fifty cents more. I'm like fifty cents, I can handle that. Yeah, there I get it, but a lot of times they're ten, fifteen. Oh no, no dollars more, and that's yeah, just, they're already getting me for this. I'm not paying any more for that. Exactly, that's kind of my feeling. But what I was getting for the games too, I mean. You get people who are just like, and what I always found funny is that my my parents, my mom doesn't anymore, but my dad smoked. Okay. And they at one time gave me a hard time about spending fifty bucks on a game. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I just spent fifty bucks on a game that I'm gonna play for hours. The last fifty bucks you spent on smokes, where's that? Yeah. Oh no, there's there's absolute truth behind that. You know, and then same thing. Like, I mean, you taught you play board games. Yep. And I mean, an average board game is anywhere from fifty to a hundred bucks, depending on the game itself. Yep. And you get X amount of hours out of it. Yet yeah, my game's going to cost fifty bucks. Somebody at X amount of hours. I'm not saying one's better than the other because there's they're different beasts. Right. They're not. It's not a fair comparison. It's not. Um, video games, on the other hand, too, most likely have a single player. So whereas, like your Ticket to Ride, for example, you can play that single. I think, can't you? No. Okay. Well. Well, maybe you can. I never would. Well, there are certain games like mm. that that you can play single. Whereas if you get something, let's say Skyrim, for example. You can play that single for whatever. So they have their different. They have their same and different merits. You can't. You're right. You can't really compare them directly, but they both can work. Yeah, absolutely. And the the difference to me, the big difference to me between video games and like board games or role playing games is just the sheer personal contact you get. Now, yes, you can with some of the new games. You know, you can talk through headsets and talk to people. But that's still not the same as sitting down at a table and playing a board game with somebody across the table from you or playing a role playing game where you've got, you know, six people sitting around the table. There's a there's a point of human contact that seems to be lost in video games. It is. And that's one of the things that we miss about the arcades is that you don't have that group of people getting together like that. And also the difference between hot seat games, too. Like if, you know, two people are sitting playing Mario and Luigi or right. Mario Kart, it's different than if you're playing against some guy in Germany who is swearing at you in German. You're never going to meet him. It's still technically social finger quotes. Right. But not really because, you know, once the game is over, that's it. They're done. Whereas, you know, you're, you mentioned the role-playing games and things. If you're still sitting at the table, how many game sessions have you ever been in that once the game is over, that's it? I've never been in one. It's always been everybody just BSs for a while afterwards. In fact, mostly before and during the game, too. Right, yeah. So I, I absolutely get your point. I do miss the aspect of the social. But again, too, I mean, it still can be there. It's just a little harder to find. Yeah, I no, absolutely. That's my big drawback to video games is just the, the lack of human contact. And when we're talking classic video games... You could literally have no human contact and play those games. You know, it was it was it was a world that you escaped into that wasn't necessarily social in any aspect. Right. And I think that was one of the things that when my mother finally said, "No, no, you need to you need to go outside. You need to do you know 
something. It was because it was you were in a little corner, basically, on your little TV playing your game. And that was it. The rest of the world was just gone. Until you turned the power off. Yep. Or, you know, mom walked over and shut it off in the middle and you're like, ah! Yeah, before you could save it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think video games in and of themselves are bad. Um, I've spent too many hours throughout my life playing them to say that they're bad. But I also don't think that the way society is today and how kids are raised in some way by video games is good either. The electric babysitter isn't, it shouldn't be what it was. Because we all know that one person or a few that were, they got every gamer, whatever they wanted, and that's all they did. Right, because then mom and dad didn't have to work at being mom and dad. Exactly. And uh, thankfully, I mean, I don't really know your parents, but thankfully, I mean, yeah, I was allowed to play, and I played when I could, when I wasn't grounded from it, because that was pretty much the way to get to me. Well, you're, you're grounded in your room. Okay. But then they took the controllers away, or they took the games away. I was like, God damn it. Yeah, that would be like taking my daughter's books away. Like, if we if we grounded Emma to her room and then took all her books away. Because normally, if you're like, go to your room, she's like, all right. Well, especially kids nowadays, too. they got a TV, DVD player, their cell phone, whatever. You know, and <laughs> that's just, you know, it's just... The way it is. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, everybody was like, oh, don't don't let your TVs raise your children, you know, and... Uh, but we were to a degree. Yeah, I think we all were to a degree. Um, but my mom especially worked very hard to make sure that we got time, you know, outside every day, that we had to go out and be social. And, you know, now where people are afraid to send their kids outside because somebody's going to kidnap them or rape them or do whatever my parents were like especially in the summer at you know summertime it was like see you at lunch yep and And you just kind of wandered the neighborhood till you found somebody to hang out with you know and my family was good about that too i mean yeah i got to play pretty much whenever i wanted to as long as the homework was done and everything else but i mean i also was in scouts i also played little league you know i was outside and if i'm sure you may remember this too somebody's mother yelling in the neighborhood and the whole neighborhood hearing it. Yeah, it was my mom. <laughs> so so that was that was my friend Nathan, actually, from a couple of houses up. You could always hear his mom yell, Nathan. It's like, okay, it's time to go. And that was usually about when it was. And, you know, nobody was worried about free-range kids anymore or back yeah. then or anything like that. It was just like if it was crappy out, we'd either watch TV or play games. And I like to read a ton. So I think the fact that I did other things in addition to playing – is why they didn't care about me playing as much as I did. And that makes sense. Uh, You know, I was always one of these kids. I loved being outside. So we would leave, you know, in the morning, and especially because both of my parents worked, if there was nobody home, we got home at dusk, you know, and it it wasn't, you know, mom checking in on the cell phone every five minutes because guess what? (laughs) We didn't have cell phones. And if she really needed you, my mom would stand on our porch and yell, and literally for a four-block radius, you could hear her. And if anybody heard her, they're like, oh, your mom's calling. And that just meant it was time to go home. Yep. And it wasn't, and everybody's mom was like that. You know, our neighbors, uh, the guys we hung out with the most, because they all kind of were in the same age group as us, their mom would walk outside and she'd whistle. So it would be like, oh, Linda's whistling, get your ass home. You know, we we had the biggest yard. I mean, I really you had a bigger group, it sounds like, than I had when I was younger hanging out with, which it could be the other reason I played video games, too. 
but we had a bigger backyard. We had probably about a half an acre in the city. Okay. And so they would come over to our place. So really when either when my family came outside and said, time to go inside, they went home. Or when their mom called them home, they went home and I just went inside. Right. So didn't really have to, I got lucky. I wasn't the one who got all red faced from the mom yelling, but at the same time, <laughs> having them come in from outside or come out from inside and kind of give you the look, it's like, okay, it's time to go. All right. So you got any final questions for me today? No, I think we pretty much covered it and then some. All right. Sounds good. So next week, I'm going to have Al back on. So Al, I believe, is coming on for his fifth time, I want to say, since I started this. I'm going to see. Now, last time Al tried to stop me because his big question was, what is art? That's what we talked about last time. So I'm going to see how he's going to try to stop me this next time. I don't know what he's going to do. But I'm sure it'll be fun, as they have all been fun with Al. Anyway, want to drop us a line? Reach out uh, with email at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook now at Whose Podcast Is It Anyway. And let me know how I'm doing. Guests you'd like to hear from again. Or if you'd like to be a guest. Also, these are places you can give us praise, constructive criticism. Or like I said, you can volunteer to be a guest. Right now, we're booking for May and June. Alright, so quote of the day. This is the part where I read a quote, then you and I talk about it. What the hell, right? Sure. Alright, so quote of the day. A woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. Now, I'm gonna I don't normally make people guess, but guess who said that? <laughs> can, can you, without giving it away, is you gonna give me some kind of It's a first lady of the pres of the United States. It was a first lady? It was a first lady. Um I'm gonna say Lyndon Johnson. Nope, it was uh Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. Now, with a name like Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. Why would you go by Eleanor instead of Anna? Maybe there was another Anna? Uh, she was an American politician, diplomat, and activist. She was the longest-serving First Lady of the United States, having held the post from March 1933 to April 1945 during her husband, Franklin, uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt's four terms in office, and served as United States Delegate to the United Nations General Assembly from 1945 to 1952. President Harry S. Truman later called her the first lady of the world, in tribute to, your, to her human rights achievements. With March being International Women's Month, a month where we recognize and empower women, I find this to be even a more potent statement coming from Eleanor. What do you think, Lou? I would agree. I, <laughs> I, won't, I won't deny I felt this a little comical when I first heard it, but, you know, it's pretty true. It is. Although it's true about anybody, though. I mean... Well, yeah, Absolutely. Um, I just think it's interesting that there's this month for women, and it, and uh, maybe I said that wrong. I find it interesting that in today's day and age that women still feel, and maybe maybe justly, that they are not as recognized recognized as men. That's a sad that's a sad thing, really. You know, and I'm sure you've heard the arguments. It's kind of like at, at uh, establishments are like, well. How come it's a women's night? How come you don't have guys' night? Well, that's because every other day is guys' night. Right. And that's Absolutely. kind of the same thing with the women's month. You know, every other month is guys' month. It's it's something you're. I agree that needs to be focused on a bit more. Yeah, I do. I mean, there are so many women throughout history, and Eleanor being one of them. Oh yeah. That have done great things, and you know, done things that need recognition. So I guess that's where I'm going to leave it this week. 
I want to thank you again for coming out, Lou. And Thanks for having me. Uh, taking some time to talk with us again. And uh, to you guys out there listening, thanks again. And we will talk to you next week.